0: Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast studio getting ready to record episode number 153. Before we get into the topic today, which is going to be coaches understanding what best really means when they're thinking about their lineup, uh, let's talk about our sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. It's a great way for you to save a little bit of money on a great bat and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. Second thing we're going to talk about is patreon.com. We've been beating this drum now for about uh, three or four weeks. Uh, We're going to keep beating it for another three or four weeks uh, because we need more patrons. We want to say thank you very much to Surly Ginger and Michael Carlson for coming on board as patrons this week. Uh, It's a great sign for us. We've added uh, seven or eight new patrons in the last couple of weeks. Um, but we definitely need to keep that ball moving forward. Um, as we talked about on this week's Everything Fast Pitch podcast, we are at that rubber meets the road point. We spent time today talking about what we have to do and what we can do to get the uh, the the numbers up to the point, this, the support up to the point where it makes sense for us to keep doing it. There's just no nice way to say it. You've heard me say this several times now. We are in the red every single month that we do this, and now as an old man who's about ready to retire, I can't keep doing it. So
1: I was, was going to say, and Tori too. It's easy for everybody just to sit back and listen, and you know someone else will do it. But we really need some folks to get on board, right, and, and help support it. Yeah.
0: Well, and the numbers of listeners tell us that a lot of people see value in what we're doing, and the mm-hmm. responses we're getting, the emails and and stuff like that, tells us that people really do appreciate the the podcast. But it's just one of those reality things, you know, we we went into it not really knowing what to expect. um, And we've been doing it for a long time, thinking that the breakthrough is going to come. Well, if the breakthrough doesn't come soon, it's not going to be coming.
1: And if you have a product or a business that we can share here with all the listeners that, uh, you know, that you'd like for us to bring you into the fold. Um, that might be another way because, you know, if you can support
0: us through that, right. That would be ideal. Yeah. Sponsors would be great. Uh, patrons would be great. Um, anything that, uh, that can help us turn this thing around financially so that we can keep doing it because it's a blast to do. I love doing it yeah. and I know a lot of you enjoy it, but if you're enjoying it and you can afford five, 10 or 20 bucks a month, we need you to become a patron. Right. Um, if you enjoy it in your business, Um, would see some benefit in being affiliated with what we're doing, uh, then we need you to get to come on board as an advertiser. Um, And it's just that that's the reality of our situation. It doesn't
1: necessarily have to be a a softball product, right? Right. It could be anything.
0: Well, Pinnacle Power Butter is a perfect example on the Everything Fast Pitch podcast. So um, it's, it's... softball adjacent, but it's not like a bat company or a training tool.
1: Yeah. No, we all need lots of things in our lives, and it could be anywhere in the country, and we'd be excited to talk about it. Right.
0: So, Don, so our topic this week is coaches, as they're figuring out who's going to play, as they're figuring out their lineups, as they're trying to make decisions about what's best for their team, is the word best, and we're going to put some quotation marks around that. Number one or... Right, because the whole idea of what is best is something that each coach can decide. Each coach can make your own decision. Whatever you think is the most important determining factor for whether kids should play or not, that's up to you. That's your team. You choose whatever you think is the best. We're making our best lineup. Right. If you're going to make your best lineup though, what is it that you're looking for that tells you player A is better than player B and player C is better than player D? What's the criteria? Right. That's why those players are playing. And not so much necessarily that you have to be able to defend what you're doing, but we want you to, one, to have consistency in what you're doing. We don't want it to be one week I decide who's going to play because my daughter led the team in batting average. And then next week we're going to decide who plays because my daughter had the best fielding percentage. And then three weeks from now we're going to decide who gets to play because on-base percentage is now the number one thing. And then week four, none of the numbers matter. Uh, Now it's who had the best week in practice and who worked the hardest. It's okay for you to choose any of those things, but the revolving door idea of it isn't a good one. That more like just
1: because I said so.
0: Right. Well, and here's the caveat to that. I was never one to use statistics to make out a lineup, but I always coached in a situation where we practiced a lot. You know, in the high school setting, in the college setting, we were practicing four or five days a week you know we had you had you know, more things to evaluate on. right we had hours and hours of field time where you could actually have sort of a feel for and an appreciation for the differences from player a to player b you could look at them sure. over time and say okay when the pressure's on even though her batting average is a little bit lower she's going to come through more often there's a you trend know, right you've watched in practice enough to know that even though she makes an occasional error She gets to so many more balls that we end up coming out ahead in the end, you know. And Stan's point about people making lineups basing it solely on like batting average. Well, if you've got a great hitter that's so bad on defense that at the end of every tournament she's given up five runs but only driven in four or only scored four, what's the trade? Yeah, we're we're probably coming out in the in the negative on that. And so what we want our coaches to do is spend some time thinking about what makes up. Your decision of what's the best, and again, if you're numbers driven and you like statistics, there's nothing wrong with using statistics as as a tool. If you're like I am, which is totally anti technology and anti number a hundred percent of the time, then using feel, intuition, and things like that, that's okay too, as long as we're consistent in how we're doing it.
1: No, it can be tricky for sure, and especially on the other end too. If we don't really know what the criteria is, then As a
0: player, you know, how do we know? Right. Well, and we talked about the pressure cooker of coaching philosophies a a little bit ago and the idea of telling players that the the nine highest batting averages are going to play. Well, stuff like that can maybe simplify your life as a coach, but it can also make your team much less successful. Just because, you know, as we said before, somebody is one of the nine best hitters doesn't mean they're one of the nine best players. And just because somebody gets more hits doesn't even mean they're a better hitter. You know, I mean, the, the reality of the trade it is off, like right. you said,
1: defensively too. You know, yeah.
0: And so for me, you know, my philosophy was always really, really simple. You know, I used practice and what I saw, what my eyes told me day in and day out from watching the kids perform, who were the best players and we would always have discussions. So it was never a, a mystery to them. You know, in, in the college setting, we'd have 18, 19, 20 kids on the roster at all times. And we would sit down and talk to them all about well, here's why you are where you're at. Here's what your strengths are. Here's your, what your weaknesses are. And it never was well, Don. You're not playing because you're only hitting 125 and Stan's hitting 175. So Stan's a better player. It was based on what we're seeing every day, based on what we're you know what we're evaluating. We're we're watching your swing. We're watching your defense. We're watching your base running. We're watching your attitude. We are watching all those things that are going to determine how much you contribute and. Here's what we think your strengths are. Here's what your weaknesses are. Here's the things that you need to improve upon. Because here's why Don is playing and you're not. Well, I'm going to work hard. Then, yeah, if you share those things, right, I'm going to make them better, right, and eliminates so much of the nonsense of kids not knowing what's going on, why it's happening. You know, it was kind of a shocking thing to me when those strengths and weaknesses were communicated. There would be times that players would disagree, and I always thought that was a good thing. If you know, if, if I said, you know. You know, Don. I don't think you've got as much range going. You know, to the hole. You mean, know, you're you're both competing for shortstop, and 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 you know, she's better at going deep in that five six hole and making a play than you are. Um, and in your mind, you're like, no, oh, you're crazy, coach. I'm just as good as she is. I might even be better. Well, then that's a, a a cue to me that I need to reevaluate what we're doing in practice to make sure that you're seeing the same thing that I'm seeing. And all of a sudden, I think back to well, that day at practice, you know, I hit Sally balls that she had to go thirty feet to field in the hole because I think she can. And I hit Don balls that he had to go five feet into the hole to get, because I think that's, I think all he can get. So I hit you a whole bunch that were five feet away and you made all those plays. I hit her a whole bunch that were 30 feet away and she made all those plays. But in your mind, you made all the same kinds of plays that she made. Correct. And so then the next day of practice, when You know, I'd kind of make a mark in the dirt in my mind to say, okay, that's the target that I'm trying to hit these balls in the hole to. Even though, you know, I'm going to miss most of them. Right. And then I'd hit 10 and she'd still get a glove on all 10 of them. And you would miss nine out of 10 or 10 out of 10. Then all of a sudden we'd come back, you know, a week later and have that same discussion and like, oh, now I see what you're talking about. I'm going to work harder on that. I'm going to work harder to get better at it. So for me, the best was a purely subjective opinion based discussion on what I saw day in, day out when we had plenty of practices. So for that setting, I think that something like that can be a really good philosophy for figuring out what your best team is. And to me, it was always part of that was you know positions that I'm willing to score less runs to play better defense. I was very old school in the fact that if my shortstop was a great defender, I could live with her not being a great hitter because... I felt like we came out ahead. If my center fielder was an amazing center fielder, but not a great hitter, I was okay with that because in the end, we ended up being a better team. And so up the middle positions, I was okay with better defense, a little bit less offense. The corner positions, right field, left field, first base, third base, I wanted those to be probably more offensive. offense first yeah. positions. You know, And then we could do some stuff again because in that setting, we were practicing enough that we could pitch to the middle of the field, we could pitch to the right side of the field, we could pitch to the left side of the field, and make it more likely that balls were getting hit where we were comfortable, more comfortable defensively, anyhow. So, so that's one option. Now, if you're a travel ball coach, you get three practices, you start playing tournaments, you play five weekends in a row, and then you have one more practice. You're not going to have the same level of evaluation and impact, right? And time to see the things that that we would have had at at, at the college level or at the, at the school ball level. So if you're going to use on-base percentage or fielding percentage or slugging percentage or whatever it is, you know, whatever combination of numbers are going to help you sort it out, there's nothing wrong with that. But again, we just want to make sure that we're being consistent because if what Don't you think is it every weekend. right. Yeah. If what you think is most important changes every week, I think we're going to be in trouble. And I have seen this happen a couple of times now being around, you know, a bunch of different travel ball teams that, Coaches' ideas of what's going to determine who plays really did change from week to week based on certainly how their kid was doing, how the other coaches' kids were doing. You know, and I always thought it was kind of ironic that when the coaches' kids were hitting well, then the nine best hitters should play. When the coaches' kids weren't hitting well, then the, you know, well, we just know who the nine best players are, decided who should play. I was going to say, or if we get wind that somebody
1: might be leaving, we got to make sure that they're happy.
0: Right. Know? I mean, that, and so, yeah. and, but I saw the revolving door system up close and personal, and I can remember, you know, having this discussion, the The player that you want to bench right now has been one of the two best hitters on this team all year. And just because she went 0 for 7 yesterday, you're going to bench her on Sunday when we need her for the championship round because she had a bad Saturday. Well, the numbers say she's not hitting right now. Right. Okay, but what about the 13 other tournaments that she was one of our three best hitters, most clutch hitters, you know, best defensive players? Well, the the batting average is all that matters. The on-base percentage is all that matters. Well, you know, but it didn't matter two weeks ago when when your kid was struggling to get on base, then the fact that you knew she was the best left fielder or best shortstop or whatever, that was more important. I said, I mean, we, it's just not right to operate that way. No, it makes it tough for
1: sure, and that's part of the magic of uh, being a good coach, right? Yeah, being able to manage all those emotions and
0: and logistics, right? And and again, it's up to you to know what it's going to be. But once you decide what's the most important thing, let's stick with it. That's all I'm going to say. And it can be purely subjective. It can be purely statistical. It can be purely whatever it is. But if statistic A, batting average, is the number one thing on week one, it should be the number one thing on week six. And, And if it isn't, then you're using the numbers in in, in a, honestly a more subjective way than i ever did subjectively deciding who's going to play and if we're not coaching too and not to be overcritical but
1: you know, sit back and let the coaches do their part and and don't let it be a a big thing right you know you, well, we're we're going to get at bats we're going to get an opportunity and and if we're somebody that needs to be in the top half of the lineup then the coaches are going to slide us up there in many cases
0: anyway not always but the only other thing I'll say about, you know, the statistic-driven decisions is sooner or later if you tell people that the nine best hitters are going to play, somebody's going to figure out that the 11th best hitter is in the lineup is still in there. Yeah. And if there's a connection between the 11th best hitter and somebody on the coaching staff or somebody who sponsors the team or somebody's best friend or whatever it is, then yeah. we're just headed for a really really uncomfortable and unfortunate situation. And we want to avoid that. So if we can be consistent, we're going to be happier. I
1: was going to say, two and I think we've said if you hit, you're going to play, and you know that's kind of just a to me a, a motivating statement to say be a good hitter, right? Because that's going to provide you a good chance to be in there. That doesn't mean that the top nine are
0: always going to be the nine that start, right? And again, if we're using that as a as a motivational tool, you know, just be careful where you use it. Yeah, you know, no. and and make sure that we're using it in a situation that's going to push kids to be able to achieve, not scare them into
1: be a good hitter you know, scare, and you'll have a better scare chance them to into play. Failure.
0: Yeah. and so coaches figure out what's your best, whatever it means for you. Once you figure it out, stick with it. It's okay for you to share it with your team. Just be careful how you share it with the, especially with the younger kids, because they might not be able to understand it and just be honest and consistent with it. And I think we're all going to be a whole lot happy for coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis this is coach Tory saying, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.